Hello, folks. This is Mark Fiquez, and you're listening to the Ballpark Hunter podcast. And with me today is my guest, Mike Bell. He is the GM of the Wilson Tobbs of the Coastal Plain League. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So, you know, it's funny when I uh, reach out to people to uh, appear on the show. A lot of times I like to reach out to folks where I've been to the ballpark. And about 10 years ago, I think exactly 10 years ago, I was checking out some ballparks in the Carolinas, Durham, Zebulon, uh, Winston-Salem, Greensboro. And one night I saw that there was a team called the uh, Thomasville High Toms playing nearby. And I'm like, oh, that's not too far. Let me go check it out. So I go to the game, taking some photos, and I bump into a guy named Greg Swear, who uh, is the owner of the High Toms. And he says, hey, how long are you out here for? I said, eh, a few more days. Well, I got a team out in Wilson you should come out to. And uh, he's the president of the Tops. And I was planning on going home that Thursday, but he convinced me to stay out one more night and check out the Wilson Tops game. So I drove from, uh, I guess I was in Durham. I think it's about an hour away. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half, two hours, yeah. Hour and a half. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. back then, if somebody told me a ballpark was five hours away, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll drive out there. So I drive out to Wilson, and I had a blast. It was one of these old-school ballparks. It had a beer garden. It was Thirsty Thursday. It was in a small oh. little town. <laughs> I mean, you park on the grass, and I show up to the ballpark, and he's like, hey, how's it going? You came. And he's like, doesn't this remind you of baseball when we were kids? And I said, yeah, it kind of does. It has that, that old, old school feeling. You know, I'm going back to the early 90s, right before minor league baseball just exploded and people said, hey, we can make a ton of money off of this venture. Uh, but that, that's what I really remember uh, from the Wilson game. Just a nice old school covered grandstand and uh, just cheap tickets, uh, deep fried oh, Oreo dear. cookies. <laughs> so I know there's been a lot of improvements in the decade. Uh, but is that experience very similar to that in 2012? Yeah. I mean, I was there in 2012. This is my 11th season. Um, oh, wow. Whenever Greg took it over from the Turnage family uh, beforehand, Thomas Webb was a GM and I was one of his first intern hires. Back then I was, I was more into hockey and I had a, I had a Mohawk and I was definitely not the person I am today, but I just okay. kept coming back and we, we, we and get I, older and we mature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he almost didn't hire me. He said, me, well, he, I walked into the office. He's like, Oh my God, what the hell is this kid doing? But now nah, since that happened, they completely renovated the front plaza. Were you there when they renovated the front plaza? No, I, I was there when they were discussing it. So I think that happened a few years later. 2013 2014 I think yeah was. i was they, right they before played. everything happened so i was probably there when the ballpark was was in its uh just bare essentials which yeah which it i was, was looking forward to 38 yeah the chain link fence up to a two window box and uh it had just a couple concession stands and a beer garden and just an old school facility and then over the next couple of years they they built the North Carolina Baseball Museum down the third baseline. They put a whole front plaza, a nice plaza in the front. Um, they ended up putting a new women's bathroom. We have a restaurant grade, concession stand, merchandise stand. Pretty much they decked it out. So you just yeah. feel very, it's just, it's very welcoming when you come up. Now it's still the grass lot, still nice. the same grandstands. It's still the history of baseball. I mean, hot dogs out here are 250, three bucks. Beer on Thursdays, a select beer dollar. I mean, you can't get 
pricing like this, it's, it's what you can imagine with old school baseball. We're not trying to change it. And our corporate partners and the sales we make from that help us out. It's just, it's expensive when you go places now and we're trying to, to divide ourselves. Well, you know, a lot of places will say it's because of the pandemic, but I, I, I'm calling BS on that because some of these minor league ballparks that I had, had visited, they, they were charging an arm and a leg for just a craft beer or Budweiser. And I had Jamie Tool from the Springfield Lucky Horseshoes on recently, and he was telling me about their beer prices on Thirsty Thursdays. And, uh, you know, if you go to a AAA ballpark these days, you may be paying six to nine dollars for a beer on thirsty thursdays that doesn't seem like a deal that seems like what you would pay normally or what you should pay normally yeah i mean there's always different revenues or different outlets to get some revenue i mean biggest thing for us is we're one of the very i mean there's there's some entertainment avenues around here but when you're stuck in the middle of greenville and raleigh you have a lot to compete with and so you gotta do whatever you can to keep people here and and pricing and the entertainment that we bring is a big thing And, and because of that our corporate partners are very invested with us. And so, for example, you know, we'll get advertising for Budweiser to the point where, hey, we're getting a good amount of money from them. Let's make them happy, sell more and make our prices and reduce our prices. What we're kind of getting hit at is everybody else's prices of food prices and and beer prices and everything have gone up. So we've gone up like, you know, you don't have to go up two or three dollars. You only got to go up 50, 60 cents on Mm -hmm. something. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, our biggest thing for us is just employment, trying to get people to work and, and having somebody come to you that works in the park lot and says, Hey, I'm, I'm getting $15 an hour for this. Right. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. it's unrealistic viewpoints of, of an employment, but you know, we make it work. I've been here long enough and, and people love baseball here. People love coming to work here. They love the atmosphere. They love the pricing. I mean, come in with 20 bucks, leave a change. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, uh, you know, 2001 when I was trying to get a job in, in baseball at some capacity, it's like, you are paying a salary for this position. <laughs> no, it's an internship or well, we'll give you a free place to stay, but no pay. So yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was a sports management major. I think, I think that's, that was your bio too in college, correct? Correct. At ECU. And, and you start off as, yeah, you start off as an internship and, and now you're the GM of a baseball team. So you're one of the guys that, proves that you know you can work your way up is it uh, i mean it it takes a lot and then fortunately the biggest problem that we run into is the unrealistic viewpoint of you're going to go to college and you might have one sport thing on your resume and you think you're going to graduate and just roll right into a job in sports it's competitive it's still competitive has done nothing to it you want to work in it you got to bust your butt the money will come later and then that's what you got to do yeah eventually you'll love i love what i do here but it took a long time to do it yeah, see, I, I was at the winter meetings in December of 01, and everybody was telling me at the time, well, you know, we're, we're not offering salaries because of 9-11. That's what they were telling me at the time. And I'm like, well, what does that got to do with anything? Now, I look back at myself then, and I knew that I would have to go someplace maybe undesirable to me, like Batavia, New York, and work my butt off. But I just, my mindset wasn't there, uh, you know you know, saying to myself, okay, I'll give myself a few years. I eventually did gave myself some time. And then I just moved on to another area uh, of a a career, but yeah, exactly. It's a tough job. It was tough 20 years ago. It it was tough in the nineties. It's, it's tough. Now it's, I tell kids, if you're in college and you want to be working sports, try to get as much experience as you can in college, try to volunteer during the summer, 
try to make some connections. That way, when you have your resume, when you graduate, it, it it's impressive and it may give you the edge over somebody else. Yeah, you just so. can't skip right over if you had anything on there. I started doing and working in sports in high school, and I started yeah. doing internships my sophomore year You're summer smart. in college, even before I had to. So the biggest thing for us is with, with our employee, what I learned when I was here as an intern, it was me, one other intern, a GM, and a marketing director, and that is it in the Coastal Plain League with 150,000 things going on. And so one of the big things when I got in this position I wanted to do is make sure we brought on enough people and took care of them. So how we kind of combat this is the biggest thing for us, because we got ECU and NC State right on down the road, is what a lot of organizations, sport organizations don't understand is there are so many kids that work in sports and business, sport management, sports studies that need to get an accredited internship to yes. graduate. And so those are the people that I'm going after to provide them with that opportunity to do it. And so what we usually do is we'll, we'll find some way for them to make some money. It's an unpaid internship with opportunities to make it. But if we hire somebody on as an intern, that's not doing it for accreditation, we'll pay them. But now we have a media department. We have a marketing department. We have an operations department. We have 11 staffers and seven of them are, or eight of them are interns. So that was the biggest thing is there's so many moving parts. You just got to invest to get the right people and make sure you take care of them. I mean, even if it costs you, like, you know, you, you got to do it. Yeah, no, the, the Coastal League, I mean, I assume in your 11 years, you have seen this league start from, it has evolved from just this local summer collegiate league to, you know, a, a, a bigger product that consists of Macon and Savannah and Tri-Cities and, and who yep. knows how many teams they'll expand to in a yeah, few sometimes years. Sometimes it takes six or seven years. Sometimes it's, I've seen in one year, three teams come in. You know, Team USA gets involved, this person gets involved, and then all of a sudden, boom, the whole thing blows up. So, I mean, you could be viewing one sports organization or a league or somebody as, oh, I'll see if I want to work there. And then the next year, it just completely blows up. You just never know. So that's yeah. the finicky thing about sports. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think, you know, and I'm, I don't – I've seen some teams say, hey, we're going to put a team in town. And then in a couple of years, they fold or they move because they just didn't do the legwork or promote the brand or, or whatever reason. I don't know. Sometimes you, you scratch your head. You're like, why are there more people here? But uh, let's get back. Let's get back to Wilson, the experience. How many fans do you average per night? Like what's, depends what's on the it? day. I mean, Wilson yeah, obviously. Is a big, they're a big, you know, farming community, Bridgestone, Firestone, nine to five, nine to six. So we have zero Monday and Wednesday games. They're terrible for us. Oh, yeah. uh, we have Tuesday, Thursdays, and on and off Saturday, Sundays. We have every single Thursday, Thursday. That's when a lot of our bigger promotions are. Just because we've been doing Thursday, Thursday for a long time, dollar select beer and $3 all drafts, $3 aluminums. Keep it. Beat that. No. We have police officers out there make sure people aren't doing anything, anything crazy. But on Tuesdays, you know, we, we might average about anywhere from 600 to 800, 900 people. Um, you know, not, not too much weekdays are tough on Thursdays. We'll go anywhere from 1200 people to 2,500 yeah. people just yeah. because Thursdays are just big, big days for us, big promotions, paint night, military. Tonight's our uh, military appreciation, a listening ceremony. We've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Um, Saturdays, we'll probably sit anywhere from a thousand, right around a thousand area, 900. And then Sundays we'll do the same thing. Sundays are pretty decent days for us, but, uh, it's, you know, that, the biggest thing that we do, we do as much entertainment as possible. Our parking situation is a little rough um, just because you've been out here. There's just, yes. you know, 500 people come to the game and all the parking's taken care of. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, people love coming out. We put on as best show as we can. But 95% of the people that come out 
just die-hard baseball people that love it, that know it's been here, that are attached to the stadium tooth and nail. We have what I call unpaid characters at our ballpark. Tex doing the Cotton Eye Joe. And you've got some other people that, you know, sit behind the plate and try to get people into it with a megaphone. You have those people that provide that atmosphere. A guy with a cowbell on the side always ringing it that are, you know, unpaid characters. Okay. Now, now, do they dress up or do they, or are they just normal fans coming in adding? They're the normal op- fans, but I mean, it's, it's the point where, you know, when you go to games and they're normal fans, but you always want to make it your job to do something that revolves around them because everybody knows that they're there. And yeah. so we'll incorporate them into, into the script. And so it just, it's got that hometown feeling. It's got that diehard hometown feeling with a little bit of that new school entertainment mix. Yes. And then you've got all these college guys that are just looking to be drafted as good entertainment and good baseball. No, no, yeah, d- definitely, definitely. And I saw that you have like a dollar hot dogs on Sundays. You allow dogs at the game as well, which that seems to be very popular, uh, at, you know, becoming a little bit more of a reality at a lot of modern league and, and summer collegiate leagues. Do you see that increasing attendance, people coming in with dogs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of Wilson's very dog friendly and we, we team up with you know, it should be. Jana Lake and she does a lot with the Humane Society. So we do dog adoptions and stuff out here called Sundays are for the dogs. Dollar Hub dogs, Dollar Snow Coons and dogs are allowed in a lot more dog friendly stuff, mostly because when it comes to summertime, as hot as it is and everything, people kind of stick to their stick to their pets a little closer and it may you know hey i want to go out to the game but i don't want to leave my pet here i don't want to and sometimes it takes people away so what i've realized is you give that opportunity to bring them out more people will come than the people that won't come because dogs are allowed so people kind of are skeptical like oh how many people are going to lose that don't want to be out there when the dogs are there but you leash them up and you got a big facility like ours you can work yeah, no, and I, I have a Yorkie and I have a Chihuahua, so the, those are very easy to take to a game. And, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> I was in Round Rock, Texas a few months, uh, yeah, about a month ago with my cousin, and, you know, her and her boyfriend have four dogs between them, and they loved it. They loved going out there with their dogs. They hung out there in the grass. They fed the popcorn. <clears throat> Pardon me. They had a blast, and, you know, I'm going to more restaurants these days with patio seating during the summer. And yeah, everybody has dogs out there. There are some people that complain about it, but I think there's more people that really appreciate things like that. So yes, that, that sounds like an ideal time to bring socks and Zuri to a game. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, I live in Indy and, and we have that here at the Indians game, but it's, there's maybe two or three nights a, a year and they charge extra for the dog or they charge a different price. You guys allow the dogs in for free, correct? Yeah, I don't understand yeah. why you charge a dog when they're not going to eat any of your concession food or drink yeah. any of your drinks. They're not buying a <laughs> ticket. I mean, they're not taking up a seat. <laughs> no. no. No, I mean, if you had to buy a seat for your dog and that yeah. was required, then you know, maybe consider about it. But no, I don't. Well, yeah, I always ask. I said, you know, if, if dogs come into a game, do you count them as part of the attendance? So if you had 100 dogs, or do you add that to the attendance? Or no, just humans. No, no. I, get charged. I mean, I, I think if some teams I've seen, I mean, if we were to do it that way, we wouldn't charge for a dog to come yeah. in, which we would never do. It'd be something like, hey, you're going to get charged for your dog coming in unless, hey, you bring some dog donations and food yeah. to the local, you know, pet pantry, humane society, then I won't charge. Like, yeah, I mean, you got to do something like that if you're going to charge a dog. Exactly. Exactly. I hear you. I hear you. So how's, um, you know, so we, we talked about the experience. We talked about the ballpark. 
how is the season going so far? You said you've only had you've had no rainouts. The first we have month. one. That was one yeah, in June. We barely got any. We were in a drought in here in North Carolina, which is crazy to think about in the summertime. Uh, we had zero home rainouts. I think there might have been one away, but we got almost all these games in. But just what I said was we cruise into July and the dog days of summer here on the coast. The rain starts flowing in, and there has been a lot of it recently. Uh, we had an off day yesterday, and you can't justify a tarp pull in an off day, so we got a little field work to do because it rained a lot. Um, but the team is doing very, very, very good. Um, second place in overall in the division on pace to, to make the playoffs. The Coastal Plain is a little, little different. It's a first-half winner and the second-half yes. winner make it to the playoffs with two divisions. So it's not necessarily the best overall record, which is, which is crazy to think about. Um, but the team is really good. We've had a player recruiter that used to be a coach for us that has been just knocking it out, getting guys here that are really good, draft-worthy prospects. Got the same, you know, head coach and player recruiter for the past three or four seasons. So we're starting to hit a groove, you know, always over that 500 mark. It's, it's very successful. And we're uh, producing some good uh, good draft-worthy picks out here. Yeah, you know, last year was a uh, Trey Sweeney. Was a was a top for us in 2020 during COVID, and he went in 2021, and he was a first rounder. And the the last first rounder that we had was uh, Justin Verlander. That's it. Back in yep. 2005. <laughs> I think that's where it was. Wow, to to think that you guys and let's let's be honest, Verlander's on his way to Cooperstown when it's all said and done. I mean, how how amazing is to say, hey, Verlander got his start here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he doesn't have a bad. Uh, Cy Young winner. No, two times. You know, just to get a couple World Series and then yeah. he gets to turn and say, hey, Kate Upton, I'm going to go to the uh, Cooperstown. So that's not that either. No, no, that that's – and then also <laughs> I I want to say that uh, Rod Carew played in Wilson as well back in, I want to say, 65, 66. So. Yeah. A lot of people see our team in the Coastal Plain League and think, you know, it's college summer draft prospects. But before that, it was minor league and Negro league. So there is a lot of names. Cowrick and Senior played. Uh-huh. Rod Carew played for the tops. I mean, there is a lot of big names that, that have passed through here because not only if, if the state has been here since 1938, so you didn't have to play for the tops. Every single person I meet is like, oh, I, I, I remember when I used to play out here at this. Yeah, facility. you're and right. So everybody's passed away. This used to be a um, uh, neutral ground for major league uh, baseball games, like exhibition games from the north and south. They take the train in here. Homer and derbies happen here. Elvis played a concert here. So about everything you can imagine has happened at this ballpark. And anybody that's ever a baseball fan, if you have seen the movie Bull Durham, yes. they say, hi, we'll get a rain out. They yep. broke into this field, through yes. the gate, flooded the field, and then ran back to Durham. <laughs> that's right. That That's uh, Fleming Stadium's claim to fame in motion pictures was uh, the flooding the field. And and I think that that's that's what I love about watching that movie. It's like, oh, was I at that ballpark? Oh, what ballpark is that? What? And, you know, some of the ballparks have changed appearances since that came out. So it's uh, I mean, there's so much you can tell about uh, this stadium. Is that highlighted throughout the ballpark anywhere? Those little yeah, I mean, in the museum, that's the biggest thing. Is all the museum. Is, what I'm talking about is, is in the museum. We have an exhibit up front that talks about it. I mean, you just when you walk into the facility, you know, the plaza gets you that welcoming kind of upkeep. Hey, you know, it's it's good, safe, blah, blah, blah to come in. And then you come in and you see the facility and you see the museum and it just kind of throws you back. But it, it's funny that you, that you mentioned that because the, the gossip here now is the stadium is very, very old. And okay. there's been a lot of bandages and renovations that they're doing. And so during the off season, not sure what date, probably into the fall, 
Um, there'll be anywhere from 2.5 to $4 million in renovations to the bleachers. So the concourse is fine. It's been updated at Plaza and everything like that, but parking and uh, this is about to get a good, good facelift, but not lose its history. That's great to hear. Yeah. Cause you know, I was watching, uh, there's a gentleman on YouTube. He, uh, he has a video from 1991 when the Carolina Mudcats were temporarily playing at Fleming. Correct. And I was looking at some of the uh, stadium seats he recorded and, you know, there's broken seats and there's splintered splinters uh, in the bleachers. And, you know, you're thinking that was a little over 30 years ago and, and you're just looking how each decade it gets improved a little bit better. So it's, uh, you know, old ballparks, you know, I get it. They get old. You got to keep up with them. They get a little cranky, but my God, it would, you hate to knock something like that down and replace it yeah. with the new ballpark because you're right. The history, you know, uh, you know, 1938, it was built. I mean, hopefully within a, you know, a decade, a little over a decade, you'll be celebrating 100 years, you know, a century. Yeah. Most of the people understand the, the, the facility of it and how old it is. And they're just like, oh, acceptable, acceptable. You got a lot of these people that come in. They're just like, how come they said, you need to fix this? You need to do that. Yeah. And all this other stuff. And, you know, the, the, what we usually say is when they, when they, you know, we'll take care of them, we'll tell them what's going on. But that's what we say. You know, the facility's been around since 1938. It's like asking a guy that's 85 years old to go over there and pick up that 200 pounds. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. You're young enough, 85 years old, pick up that heavy box and carry it upstairs. Oh, yeah. like, well, you know, that's, that's the that's the scenario you're looking at here. It's, it's been carrying its weight for that long. Yeah, and It hasn't right. had a huge renovation until recently now. So that is put together well. No, no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, uh, yeah, and, and I tell folks, I love the old ballparks. I love the covered grandstands. I, I don't know why people, like, I don't know why, like, somebody says, hey, I want to I put a team in a summer collegiate league. Let me just build kind of a covered grandstand. Let me have it. Let's have the old school look a little more modern in, in certain spots. I, I just think these things are still great places to watch baseball. And I, I don't know why there's not more of them. And, and God bless the, the communities that keep them and, you know, make sure they maintain the old ones. It's a great thing. We have these collegiate wood bat leagues that move into these former ballparks. Cause if it wasn't for these leagues, I, I don't know what, what would happen to them. You know, I don't know if there was a big boom during COVID because all the minor league was. teams that got disbanded and then the whole scenario about now they're responsible for covering pay for X, this, this and that. You know, there's there's two teams that popped up collegiately around us in Tarboro and in Clayton and other leagues. I mean, people are taking the opportunity there. They're understanding that you put the investment into a facility for a college summer league team. You know, one of the things people don't understand is we only have 28 home games. We run from the end of May until the That's end right. of July. Then we run into to August. And when that's over, besides, I mean, the only time we're ever not doing any, some, anything is when it's cold outside. So we, it gives us the flexibility to run fall leagues and, and college classics and conference tournaments and, and concerts out here and everything else that, you know, other minor league or major league teams aren't able to do because they have a hundred some game series. So, you know, that's the good thing about college summer leagues and these facilities is, is it gives you in the community a more well-rounded event experience as well that people just don't, don't put in. They just look at, 28 games or 25 yeah. games and saying that's my only chance to make money no it's not hmm. well i see that you have a fan fest on saturday is that part of a tobs game or is that a separate event it's going to be before tobs game okay the first thing we did we just you know we we one of the toughest things to do for us is there's so many games and you want to do so many promotions, but you only have so much time to promote stuff. And so this was something that we were kind of throwing together to kind of fill in the, the, the gap and we want to kind of continue it. But 
we've got a youth home run derby, an adult home run derby. We'll have a Tobbs home run derby. And then the winner of the adult will play the Tobbs home run derby participant. We'll have a Cornell tournament going on, a bunch of inflatables. So this is kind of one of those, hey, we don't have too many games left. Come out, support the team, meet the team, get involved. We've got some other cool things going on. So we're always doing pre-game stuff to pump up the entertainment. It's not always, hey, gates open at six, game starts at seven, come join the entertainment, watch a Tobbs game. It's that plus coming early because we got blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then you're saying that you have other things besides Tobbs games. How how late into the season do you host concerts or other events at the ballpark? Do they? We don't host much outside stuff during the summertime because we have games about every yeah. other day and Legion plays out here. So you've got Tobbs baseball, you've got our pregame okay. stuff, you've got Legion baseball, you've got some travel baseball out here. You got to work in off days to get the facility all fixed up. But, you know, when we cruise through that, uh, first week of August is playoffs. And then from the beginning of August to mid September, we fix up the facility. The city Wilson does a great job with that. And, uh, and we fix it up, let it rest. And then we have a high school following. Then we'll have some concerts out here. Then we'll have travel baseball on the weekends, like every day. Then we go into shutdown during the uh, winter time. So the only time we're not doing anything is the three or four weeks from the season then to get the field ready. And then from the end of November until the end of February, during the cold season, but then in February, college classic, college classic, high school classic, events, civic club meetings out here, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just nonstop from the end of February until mid-August. Well, I'm, I'm just wrapping them around my brain. Baseball in February outside. It's Well, these northern teams yeah. are trying to escape. And it's so unheard of. Yeah. No, no. down those teams from the north who are getting already flooded yeah. out with the snow. And we said, hey, we got a tarp. We got staff. We yeah. ain't got snow. It may be 50 degrees, but you need four games. Come and get them. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Like, if you look at the colleges up here, IU, Purdue, no, they have a game on February 10th, but it's in North Carolina. It's in Florida. It's in Georgia. And, and yeah, you're right. You can't yep. play up here. You may have a fluke day, but, I mean, even in March, you know, the rain, one day it's 40 degrees, the next day it's, yeah, it's all over the place. It's unpredictable. Yep. So. Yeah, head down to the Carolinas. Now, I, I see that you have a uh, pink jersey behind you. Is yes. that is that Double. for breast? Yeah, let's. Uh, there you go. That's kind of a neat look. Is that for? Uh, I assume that's for breast cancer awareness, or is that another? Yeah, there's a good stack. I mean, like I said, I've been here a while. We've got uh, next Thursday is Pink Park Pink Night, and uh, just like a lot of people do with their pink jersey auctions, most 99% of the community events that we do, we wrap around our games. The money stays in the Wilson County area and it's trackable. So instead of saying, hey, donate to breast cancer awareness to the Cancer Society, and then you don't really know where it goes, where it goes. All our money that we raise is trackable. Home Run for Hunger, Pink Night, Military Night, whatever it may be. So next Thursday, we've got Pink Park Pink Night. We've got a Doctors vs. Lawyers charity softball game. we got a pregame band. Our jersey auction, which if any teams ever listen to this, we use an app called Live Source App. And it's an online bidding app, and it's extremely simple. We put up our jerseys or our bats or whatever we wanted to do on it. People create an account. They put their card on file. They click the event. They bid. And if they get outbidded, they get a text message, which is huge because these parents that want to bid on it that aren't at the game, instead of calling in or looking at online or whatever it is, they can just get a text rebid, get a text rebid. So it's very efficient. It's called Live Source App. Um, Live so that's where we do that app. stuff from. Yep, live source app, and uh, all the money that we raise for Pink Park Paint Night for the jerseys goes towards the Wilson Community Health Center, 
and the Pink Ladies of Wilson um, to pay for women in Wilson who can't afford mammograms to get the mm -hmm. treatment and, and make sure they're checked up and are taken care of. Yeah, well, you know, I'll always support breast cancer awareness. My mom was a survivor, so that's a great cause, and it's great to see that going on at, at a lot of different baseball stadiums throughout North America. So uh, that's that's awesome. Okay, a couple more questions. Uh, the TOBS is short for, for tobacconist. Yes. Uh, the tobacco leaf. I love the tobacco leaf on the cap. I have a couple love caps. Yeah, it's I, – I wait. I don't know who I contacted, but – I wanted to order the cap. It was sold out online. Somebody emailed me saying, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll get it up in a couple of weeks. Just give us some time. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a classic hat. Uh, any brushback from having a tobacco leaf on your cap or is, is that just something you would expect in your area? Not really. I mean, okay. that, that's why a lot of people are, uh, it has been the tops, the tobacconist, yeah. the bugs, since 1908 and so the history of it alone is enough to keep people or keep people at bay but i mean some people are like oh it's tobacco it's you know blah 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 blah. it's not kid it's friendly it's, i get it's it like yeah. wilson used to be the number one tobacco manufacturer in the world and it's still up there but it's not number one and so they really grip onto that and so you know we don't go around saying tobacco this tobacco this we say togs and you know our mascot his name is sluggering he's a tobacco worm so we have the history, yes, we're the tops, yes, we're the tobaccos, but we're not pushing into the younger face, the family's face or anything like that. It's just what it is. We're not sitting here saying, hey, you know, tonight is, you get a free cigar when you enter the game since we're the tobaccos. We're not doing any of that stuff. Um, but what I will say is that hat that you're wearing, um, one of the, the best things that we did that, that Greg pioneered was the older hat we had just had a tobacco leaf. Yes. So when you had tobacco leaf, there's tobacco leaves all over the place. The brand was like, oh, well, what is that? The people just thought tobacco leaf they didn't, you know, relate it to us. And so we threw the W on it and then it turned into Wilson is a big tobacco area. Mm -hmm. And then all the merchandise and everybody just sucked into that. And they just, they really, really enjoyed it. So that brand recognition, all we did is ended up throwing a W on top yeah. of that leaf after a couple of years. And now it's the Wilson tops, not yes. just tops and tobacco Oh, yeah, it's a great looking hat. I think you guys had a lot of discounts. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what should I get? What should I get? And yeah. there, there was a pair of Like I said, there's the hats are yeah. only 20 bucks. They nothing. Be, we have a game worn jersey. All our jerseys are game worn and they're only 50 bucks. But other than that, hoodies, 30, polos, 25, hats and everything else, 20 bucks or less. That's yeah. just not merchandise pricing. <laughs> yeah, no, no. There, I mean, I've been to some gift shops lately and it's like 45 bucks for and, and it's pretty much a very similar hat that i have on maybe it's an on-field hat i guess but like 45 bucks i think i was in lexington i'm not trying to diss lexington but it's like okay that that's a little high it's the same hat that's a zephyr yeah. hat and that's yeah. the hat that we get through our league and that's what a lot of major league and minor league people get so it's not like you're getting a bush league hat yeah like no exactly yeah, I would say the cheapest. I was at a, a summer collegiate game in Cincinnati, the the Great Lakes League. They had hats for fifteen, which is insane. I'm not expecting people to to, to charge that, but yeah, I, I would say fifteen. You know, I would say twenty twenty five would be a good price. Uh, and, and God bless the people that buy hats. My uh, uh, my buddy Ed Rivera of the uh, Dad Hat Chronicles. He has a podcast and, and YouTube page. This guy has over two hundred caps, and he's yeah. paying at least twenty five to thirty dollars plus tax and shipping for them yeah i i think the amount of hats he bought was probably how much i had to pay for my new air conditioning unit 
a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. Air let me, let me let everybody unit. in on a, on a yeah. secret. Even yeah. with COVID going on, not a single team that you're buying a hat from is paying more than – is paying double – let me put it, is paying double digits to get the hat in their yeah. hand with you. Yeah, so it's uh, – you know, my thing is if I'm a team, yes, I'll try to get as much as I can. But I'll also say to myself, how many people do I want to buy my hat to represent the brand? Like I live in Fishers, yeah. Indiana. I've seen about four people with Savannah banana caps just yep. because they're getting that attention. So it's, uh, and I don't think they charge shipping and handling, which is, it's a nice thing, but at the same time, uh, that's an, that's another area. There's some teams that charge about 12 and they blame it on the U S postal service. And I'm thinking, okay, how can they charge 12, but somebody charge six? I don't know. It's, yeah. We charge ship, I think it ends up being like four or five bucks an item because it's by weight. Yes. We have a partnership with UPS. And so, like, you if you order a jersey, like, if you order a jersey, it's like, and that's all you get. We only charge like five or six bucks for shipping, but it costs us like seven fifty to ship a jersey because it's all weight. Yeah. So, see, and, and I, I mean, get that. Sometimes, it's, yeah, sometimes it's not up to you uh, to charge that. So, I understand. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of how I am. Anyway, last question. Best place for barbecue in Wilson? Oh. Uh, Man, is that tough? That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny story. Is like I'm not. I may not be the best person to ask. Oh, I'm actually okay. from Pittsburgh originally, and I moved with my family down to Charlotte, and that's how I ended up. Yeah. About the top. I'm a big hockey guy before baseball, which is crazy. So, I mean, for me, I grew up liking more the Kansas City barbecue. Me too. So I may. All right. So here in Wilson, we have. Well. We'll say three. You've got yes. Smithfield Barbecue, but that's a national brand. They got pretty good barbecue here, but that's national brand. Um, there's Parker's Barbecue, and then there's a place called Marty's Barbecue. And when people come down here, a lot of people have even had it shipped. Or when they come here, it was a bigger brand. It's called Bill Ellis Barbecue. I remember Bill. And that's a big brand in this area. And uh, it disbanded, and they sold all their property and everything. And the Suns. What people don't know, they opened up a place in Wilson called Marty's Barbecue. Oh. And so people don't know that. And so if you're looking to get Bill Ellis Barbecue that people know around this area, you can get it at Marty's. So you've got Parker's Barbecue and you got Marty's Barbecue. I know them both. I don't want to say the wrong yes, thing. Yes, yes. No, no. Uh, I, I, but yeah. I mean, they're, it's just, it's I, the best way to explain it is they're both very, very good. They're two different Eastern North Carolina barbecues. I mean, maybe Marty's is a little bit better. Yeah, but no, you know that—that's like I understand you're talking being, about Eastern barbecue feel. That's that's it yeah. right there. I think when I was in town, I went to Bill Ellis, and they had a, an all you can eat. And it, you know, I grew up more of a Kansas City fan. I was just out in Austin. I had their their barbecue. I'm not a huge fan of Carolina barbecue, and, and I, that's okay. I guess I can say that I I don't have any ties to to the the, the you area. Don't like but, vinegar. Don't have it. Yeah, it? It, it's you know, it's just it's it's. I get it. It's the original barbecue that came to this country from, you know, and then it kind of expanded out towards Kansas city and Memphis and up into Chicago. But yeah, it's, it, and it feels like everywhere I go, they do it a little bit differently. You know, yeah. like when I was out in, uh, I guess Greensboro last year, you know, or Lexington, there you go. Somebody had ketchup mixed into the coleslaw or somebody had ketchup and mayonnaise mixed in the coleslaw or somebody had oh. just vinegar I'm like, okay, what, what is the right way to eat this? You know, I was, I was a little confused. So, okay. So everybody's with trying to do their own little twist. But there's, yes. It's not just barbecue. There's a lot of places in Wilson 
better than your mom and pops that have been shown on the travel channel. I mean, Flo's, you got Beefmaster and Bill Ellis, and you got barbecue places. I mean, there is depends on what you want because there's yeah. always some gem of what you may want. Oh yeah, and, and believe you me, if I was in Wilson, I, I would try them all if I was there for a certain amount of time. So I may say I'm not a big fan of it, but believe you me, I would eat there and probably take some notes. So, uh, so from Pittsburgh, uh, I assume you're a Permanti brothers guy. Yes. Yeah. We, we had two of them here. We had two of them here. They closed. I don't know what I'm like, and I don't know if that was a corporate decision. I don't know if the people are in the are just idiots and don't realize how awesome that place was. And I'm like, what do you mean you close? It was like five minutes up the street for me. You know, it's like, ugh, very disappointed. And, and I assume you're a pierogi guy. Yes. I actually still eat him here for lunch. Nice. I yes. A, my, my AGM here is actually from Baltimore. So he's a big, I mean, he yeah. knows well about that too. So you've got a GM from Pittsburgh. That's a Pittsburgh Pirates and Steelers fan. And you've got my AGM here. That's a Baltimore Ravens. And yes. And an fan. So you can imagine oh. there's a lot of animosity. Oh, yeah. It's definitely the NFL. Houses. <laughs> yeah, my, my mom grew up in, in Pennsylvania as, where, as well, but in Wilkes-Barre on the northeast side. And okay. uh, my aunt and grandmother used to make homemade pierogies. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Those are a little bit easier to find out here than Primanti Brothers. So, yes. <laughs> oh, anyway. Okay. So, before, yeah. No, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost brunch. No, it's almost lunchtime. All right. So, before I let you go, uh, what would you tell people? Why should they come to a Wilson game? Why should they add that on their sports adventures during the summer? History, the experience we give you, the cost and the value. Like I said, you come with 20 bucks, you leave with change, and you get to see the next generation of college baseball players here that are draft prospects. All right. I think that's, that's it. I mean, that's... It just trust it. Trust the process. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, that was uh, Mike Bell, the GM of the Wilson Tobbs. Thank you for coming on, and uh, you have a great rest of the day. Get, get that field ready for tonight. Sounds good. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. You too. All right. Wilson Tobbs. I think he said it just cheap price. Go in with 20 bucks, come out with change. And if you were one of the lucky folks, uh, what do you say? Oh, five. You could have saw, you could have saw a young Justin Verlander pitch there. Two times Cy Young probably will win the Cy Young this year. If he keeps it up future hall of famer world series champion and uh the wife of kate upton i'm mean, i'm sorry the husband of kate upton I, I tell you that that guy i i wouldn't mind having his life <laughs> and you know as he gets older he gets better too so you know uh that and that's the thing about go to the coastal plain league you, you know not saying everybody is going to make it up to the big leagues but you'll uh you'll see somebody you'll see maybe Somebody in the minor leagues make it. You know, these are young guys that uh, are trying to prove themselves, trying to get that experience. And as a fan, the $3 beers, the hot dollar hot dogs, bringing in your dogs, all you can eat. I forgot to ask him about all you can eat. Uh, now I feel bad. Uh, the fan fest, the, the, the hats, the merchandise. You may not see a future star wherever you are, but you'll have a great time. So uh, my experience, I, I had a lot. I had a lot of fun. Let me see. Wilson Tobbs. I'm looking this up right now as we speak. Uh, alumni. 
you know, we mentioned Rod Carew. He did play there in the 60s. Let's look. Alumni of the Wilson Tops. I have the list right here. So anybody that stands out, except for Mr. Verlander. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm having some issues getting online here. So I'm not going to bore you with this. Uh, if, you know, if you can think of somebody, please let me know. Yeah, Justin Verlander. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I, had, I had a wonderful time. I remember it was right before the renovations. I think the renovations might have taken place the next year, and they were telling me about it. And I think I saw pictures or photos. But, you know, this was baseball like it, it used to be. And I remember it was like a dollar or two dollars for beer at the beer garden. Uh, I do have some video from that on my YouTube page. It's, it's from the North Carolina Ballpark Tour one. I'll uh, probably link that to the uh, information box here. And, you know, you have the Hall of Fame that is free of charge. You can just walk in there. That's down the third base side. Covered grandstand. The scoreboard wasn't working that night, which was funky. And I, I they said, oh, the scoreboard's not working. Don't, don't criticize that. Don't criticize us for that because – I think I was writing for our sports central or ballpark biz at the time might've been ballpark biz. And I was writing a story about uh, these ballparks, but yeah, I had, I had a blast there. I mean, I love going to a small town that has a ballpark and you just sit back and watch the game, get some food, take some photos, take some videos. And then you leave saying, wow, I had fun. And, and sometimes I'll go to a stadium and if I get there a little early, I leave early. Because number one, I want to beat some of the traffic. Number two, it's like, okay, I've just been traveling all day. I'm, I'm exhausted when I get back to the hotel. Uh, but I remember at Wilson, I think I stayed towards the end. I, I had That's how much fun I had. And that was after a grueling week of going to ballparks. And let's see, Kingsport, uh, Bristol, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, Thomasville, Zebulon, and Durham Bulls. And that was also the infamous trip where I arrived at Burlington to see the Royals. They were the Royals at the time. And they had a night game. And I thought they had, I thought they had, yeah, I thought they had a day game, but they had a night game. So I wind up driving to Zebulon that had the day game. So I must have got mixed up in the communication. And that's when I snuck into the ballpark. And I'm going to add this on to this story because it's one of these funny stories to talk about. Uh, I show up at Zebulon, which is home to the Mudcats, Five County Stadium, I believe is the name. And there was this giant line of campers. I was like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? I don't have time to wait. And I think tickets were like 12, 14 bucks. And I thought that was really high at the time. I, I, I could be mistaken by that. But I decided to walk to the other side of the stadium. And as I'm walking, I, I walked to the middle of the stadium and I saw this gate open. It was kind of, somebody must've just walked in cause it was still kind of shaking. And I'm like, huh. And I had a bag with me and I just opened the door, walk right in like I belonged. And there was, there was some interns or some workers there. They didn't say one word to me. In fact, some of them were smoking cigarettes. Uh, this was at a time when you could smoke on the concourse or certain spots of the concourse. M maybe you weren't supposed to, but it was 10 years ago. So I'm sure those folks are long gone, <laughs> long gone, not, not long gone off this earth, but long gone from uh, 
working for you guys. And I walk right in and nobody said a word to me. And I was like, oh my God, I pulled this off. I just snuck into a stadium. And I tell my buddy, Steve, and I said, yeah, this is what I did. And he's like, you know what, Mark? We're not young kids anymore. You know, like, like those interns are probably 18, 19, 20. And at the time I was in my mid thirties. He's like, they look at you as an old guy. Like, <laughs> and I start doing the math and I got a little bit depressed if I had just bought the ticket, I would have felt a little bit younger, but it's uh, just want to tell the folks at the Mudcats, ha ha, you didn't catch me. I stuck in. So anyway, funny little story there. Uh, believe you me, if I go back to the Mudcats game, I'll, I'll buy a hat or two or something to make up for that uh, loss of revenue that July afternoon in 2012. I almost said 2002. Uh, that tells you how old I am if I can't decipher between those two dates. Uh, well, that comes to the end of another podcast of the ballpark hunter. So just want to thank Mr. Mike Bell, GM of Wilson. Uh, like he said, his 11th season. So he was there. His first year was my visit there. So, um, that's amazing that he started off as an intern and he has made his way up to a GM. And he's probably doing a lot of different work at that stadium because you got to wear many, many hats, uh, but he's having fun. And uh, that's what it's all about. So, uh, wow. Great interview. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, if you like this t- content, please check out uh, the rest of my ballpark interviews with people from around the world of baseball, minor league, summer collegiate. I feel like I do a lot of summer collegiate, which is fine with me. Uh, I also talk to folks that, uh, you know, have podcasts like Anna from the Bucketheads, uh, Baseball Buckethead podcast, uh, Ed from um, Dad Hat Chronicles. And I, I haven't had I haven't had Mr. Caputo on my show from Baseball by Design. I need to have him on here. He's got a really good podcast. I usually listen to him when I'm mowing the lawn or working out. I was actually listening to his podcast the other day when I was uh water pressuring my deck because it's 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 got to get done i'm not paying somebody a thousand dollars to do it i'll just listen to some podcast or paul or ed or anna and uh, i'll do it that way and there's tons of other great ballpark uh baseball podcasts so if you're happy to listen to me on apple can you do me a favor can you give me a rating i only have seven like like caputo has like five thousand of them ed has about two thousand like, like I have seven, like, what's the deal with that? And <laughs> I have an ego, I have an ego, but they've been doing it for a while. And then they do a, a little bit of a better job. So uh, I give them props to that, but you can also check out my, MySpace, not my, MySpace page. You could check that out. Good luck with that. You may find something from like 2005. <laughs> you look like a buffoon. Uh, you could check out my YouTube page. I have one over a thousand subscribers. I got to reach that 4,000 hour mark. So if you can watch a bunch of videos, I'd appreciate it. Make me happy. Also make me some money. So that's Ballpark Hunter on YouTube. You can check me out on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. And you can read some of my articles on Stadium Journey. Uh, Stadium Journey is going to have a new look soon. And it's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. You're going to just think this is the, the greatest baseball stadium slash sports stadium site ever so anyway thank you guys for listening and uh shout out to zach beeson 
out in Richmond. Check him out on Twitter as well. He's always wearing cool hats of minor league teams. Another, another huge fan of the sport. So until then, guys, keep reaching for the stars. We'll see you next week. When the, Oh, that's the wrong show. Stay safe, be humble, and happy journeys. We'll see you next time. Take care.